Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Stack Ecom Bits. Let's start off with introductions. My name is Trisha Bissell, and I'm currently a senior at St. Thomas Aquinas College with an accounting major and an economics minor. Now let's have the rest of the group introduce themselves. Hello, everyone. I'm Kieran Keenan, a senior here at Stack studying business management with minors in finance and economics. Here's my friend Gino. Hello there. I'm Gino Gancio, a junior studying finance with a minor in economics. I'm handing over the mic to my teammate on the soccer team, Josh. Thank you for that introduction, Gino. Hi, everyone. My name is Joshua Haber, and I am studying finance here at Stack. Now let's hear from Crystal. Hello there. My name is Crystal Alvarez, and I am currently a senior pursuing a major in accounting. Hi, my name is Elian Lopez, a senior here at St. Thomas Aquinas College. My major is finance with minors in economics and marketing. Thank you for having me. All right. In today's podcast, we will be discussing our recent findings through the College Fed Challenge. Just as a background for a few of our listeners, the College Fed Challenge is a team competition for undergraduate students. Teams analyze economic and financial conditions and formulate a monetary policy recommendation modeling the FOMC. Now that we have some background, let's get into the data. Crystal, mind discussing a few issues currently facing monetary policy? Of course. Today's monetary policy is shaped by factors like bank stress, lending trends, and inflationary pressures is crucial in fulfilling the dual mandate. Given recent events, including bank failures, heightened tensions in energy markets, labor strikes, and the enduring impact of past crises like the COVID-19 pandemic, there is an urgent imperative to implement monetary measures aligned with the dual mandate. I will now pass it to Kieran, who will talk about real and nominal GDP and the output gap. The current real GDP in 2023 results from increased investment, consumer spending, and government expenditure, with a minor setback due to reduced exports and private inventory investment. Bloomberg analysts predict a short-term growth boost in quarter three from entertainment and summertime consumer demand trends. However, GDP is expected to experience slower growth due to decreasing savings and higher interest rates. In addition, the resumption of student loan repayments will further push down consumer spending. This is consistent with projections for the output gap for both 2023 and 2024, suggesting a sluggish economy, insufficient demand, and possible recession. Gina, do you mind discussing more about GDP, more specifically capacity utilization, U-Michigan consumer sentiment, industrial production, and LEI? Certainly. Industrial production experienced a 0.1% growth due to the increased manufacturing in motor vehicles and parts. However, the labor force is at risk due to UAW strikes, which may have an impact on industrial production. Consumer sentiment hit a two-year high, but recent September data points to weakening consumer demand. Manufacturing PMI increased by 1.4% due to shrinking order backlogs. Service PMI experienced a drop of 0.9% due to softening labor market, dwindling excess savings, and tighter lending standards. Additionally, the conference board's LEI has experienced downwards trends, which can indicate a deceleration of economic growth and a possible recession on the horizon. Josh, can you explain recent data concerning inflation? Thank you for those wise words, Gino. Recent U.S. inflation data reveals a notable increase in consumer spending despite elevated interest rates and a higher cost of living. PCE, the Fed's preferred inflation gauge, rose 3.5% year-over-year in September, marking the smallest increase since November of 2022. However, challenges such as elevated oil prices, student debt resumption, and lower personal savings suggest the impact of the Fed's aggressive tightening cycle on consumers. Resurging energy prices are the primary driver of prolonged inflation, with core PCE softening, less than the headline reading. The Federal Reserve acknowledges early signs of moderation, yet policymakers emphasize the inflation remains significantly above their 2% target. 
Contrary to expectations, as the Fed's Federal Reserve raised rates, inflation has declined from 9.1 in June 2022 to 3.7%. Accompanied by a still low unemployment rate, the Cleveland median PCI rose by 5.7% year-over-year, reflecting robust consumer spending and persistent inflation pressures. Rising oil prices, surpassing $90 a barrel, raises concerns about resurging inflation amid an economically stagnant recovery. Compounded by steep drops in global oil inventories due to OPEC's production forecasts, ongoing labor strikes in various sectors may further com- complicate the situation, potentially triggering a wage price spiral in response to inflationary pressures with a historically tight labor market. Trisha, care to explain more about inflation? Sure, Josh. I'll start with this, discussing the producer price index. PPI, a leading indicator for inflation, increased a seasonally adjusted 1.6% year-over-year, higher than estimates according to the U.S. Department of Labor. However, core PPI data shows the lowest annual increases since early 2021, indicating that inflation may continue to cool as the weaker wholesale price gains translate into smaller price increases for the consumer. In recent years, wholesale inflation suggests optimism coming off the pandemic supply shocks that disrupted economic activity and raised production costs for firms. However, current labor strikes may pose potential threats to wholesale inflation, since lost production would bring supply chain backups, furloughs, and diminished income. Elio, would you like to share our findings on the financial markets? Yes, I can do that. The decline of personal savings coincides with the decline of the Bloomberg Financial Conditions Index, or BFCI which gauges the deviation of market tightness from pre-crisis levels. The BFCI fell from 0.322 in quarter two 2023 to negative 0.093 in quarter three, indicating a reduction of market liquidity. Increased market tightness curtails the accessibility of credit and financial services, especially for low-income households who face higher borrowing costs and collateral requirements. This also diminishes their involvement in the stock market and simultaneously widens the inequality gap between the low and high income groups. The VIX index returned to pre-COVID levels in quarter two of 2023 with a slight increase in quarter three. The VIX index overall stability presents the attractiveness of the U.S. market as the volatility decreases, even as challenges in savings and inequality persist. There's a lot going on in the housing market too. Crystal, would you mind informing our listeners a little bit more about it? Yeah, of course. In June 2023, the Case-Shiller Index confirmed a tight U.S. housing market with sustained price gains across all top 20 markets, almost matching a year-ago peak. Housing affordability sharply declined from Q1 2023 to Q2 2023, from 104.2 to 92.7 due to high demand, low supply, rising mortgage rates, and limited inventory. In August, housing starts experienced a 0.07% decline, reaching 1.43 million units. Despite this decrease, the overall trend continues to defy recession predictions. Building permits remain relatively stable, reflecting an uptick in single-family permits, but a drop in multifamily permits. Mortgage rates climbed from below 6.5% to 6.71% in June, posing challenges for prospective home buyers. The 30-year fixed mortgage rates reached their highest level since 2000 at 7.88% in September, impacting the housing market and the economy. According to the Atlanta Federal Reserve, the persistently high costs of property and liability insurance in coastal regions continue to be a significant issue affecting housing affordability and impacting firms' investment strategies. This could potentially hinder loan applicants' ability to meet their mortgage payments if they cannot afford insurance. 
I think another economic indicator we should cover is unemployment. U3 and U6 unemployment rates have fluctuated throughout the year. U3 declined in Q1 and stabilized in Q2 and began rising in Q3 at an 8.5 growth rate. Meanwhile, U6 unemployment steadily increased throughout the year at a 9.2% growth rate. High inflation rates caused the labor force participation rates to rise, indicating that new workers were only working part-time jobs. This trend began in Q4 of 2021, when job openings started increasing. Since the unemployment has consistently remained below the natural rate contributing to inflationary pressure. Gina, I'd also like to add upon that with the labor market. The rise in the unemployment rate corresponds to increased labor force participation, primarily driven by women who found flexible job opportunities. Prime age women's participation exceeded pre-pandemic levels. Wage growth slowed due to fewer job openings and increased job switching willingness, with August 2023 seeing 0.2% growth. Businesses raised wages quickly due to a labor supply demand gap. In early September, 220,000 new unemployment claims were filed, and 1.7 million workers received benefits, with Indiana seeing an 82% claim increase and Missouri's claims dropping by 56.2%. The divergence in data makes policy writing difficult. Therefore, an increase in jobless claims could indicate a weakening economy. Josh, care to explain any updates in the international markets? Sure, Kieran. The USD has remained a strong currency when compared to major foreign currencies. The USD weighted average currently stands at 118.35, which is higher than its base period of 100. Strong USD affects global trade patterns as less exports occur using the USD, in turn making the US trade balance drop significantly from its pre-pandemic levels. The pandemic forced global trade to slow, causing the trade balance to decrease as the U.S. decreased exports. Bottoming in quarter one of 2022, the trade balance began its steep rise as the U.S. began exporting goods to Ukraine to aid the war against Russia. The U.S. has introduced its war aid, resulting in a decline in the trade balance. Elio, do you want to tell us a little bit about its forecast? Sure, Josh. After conducting our economic analysis part of the Fed Challenge competition, discussing our forecast for the future economy follows. With that being said, we utilize Bloomberg's economics forecast, which is compiled from over 80 different financial and academic institutions. The first two quarters of 2023 saw strong GDP growth, which goes over the forecast for quarter three at 3%. While the, while the analysts see the likelihood of a recession at 55%, the forecast shows a soft landing with GDP growth going to 0.1% in quarter one of 2024, but it never becomes negative. This is also the quarter where both CPI and PCE are expected to drop below the 3% mark. It is anticipated that the unemployment will start climbing for five quarters starting with quarter three of 2023. The unemployment rate is expected to settle between 4.3 and 4.4 over the course of following five quarters. Overall, this is a positive outlook for the U.S. economy. Next, we will go over our risk section, which is important to consider when making our monetary policy recommendation. Crystal, would you mind introducing the risk portion? Sure. No problem, Elio. Risk is a crucial factor in achieving the dual mandate and supervisory role of the Federal Reserve. The Fed must adjust its monetary policy to prepare for the consequences of events that can exert upward or downward pressure on the economy. One of our risks was the potential government shutdown. Currently, Congress has approved a short-term spending bill to postpone the shutdown originally scheduled for September 30th. However, when a long-term solution will be reached is uncertain due to disagreements within the House of Representatives with the removal of Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker. At present, no work can be approved without the Speaker of the House. If a shutdown occurs, an estimated 737,000 workers would be laid off. 
Additionally, the shutdown could hinder economic decision-making as the Federal Reserve relies on agencies like the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Commerce Department for vital economic data. The shutdown could cause a 0.2 percentage point decrease in GDP per week and also exacerbate the growing budget deficit, potentially causing market turmoil. We also covered the risk of financial stability. In March of 2023, the world faced the biggest bank failure since 2008, Highlighting the liquidity crunch many regional banks faced, as concerns rose among the depositors. Consequently, increasing consumer confidence in banks and getting rid of this stigma around borrowing from the discount window should be one of the Fed's top priorities. AI is also an important factor to consider for the future of the economy, too. Artificial intelligence, or AI for short, holds significant economic potential. McKinsey's July 2023 estimates suggest AI could annually contribute $2.6 to $4.4 trillion to the global economy. In addition, AI is expected to lead up to 12 million occupational transitions by the end of the decade, including 9 million workers moving to entirely new occupations. A potential downside of AI is the time lag during these transitions, which could result in increased structural unemployment. Finally, favorable financial conditions are essential to facilitate investment in human capital and corporate expansion. We brought up the issue of climate change, too. Since it is a substantial threat to our generation, impacting both daily life and the macroeconomy, Director of Supervision Michael Gibson highlights its potential to increase financial sector vulnerabilities and magnify economic shocks. Recent data from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration underscores the issue with the climate and weather disasters costing over $165 billion in 2022. This emphasizes the necessity of ensuring financial institutions are adequately prepared for climate-related risks. The Federal Reserve is already taking steps by providing guidance to large banks and conducting climate scenario analysis. However, there's a need for the Fed to further prioritize evaluating the genuine economic risks of climate change, encompassing not just its impact on the financial sector, but its broader economic implications. Elio, we also mentioned international economic reforms too, right? Yes, we did. A geopolitical partner's economic crash, similar to the 2008 financial crisis, could significantly impact the U.S. economy. Germany and China, two major U.S. trading partners, currently face challenges. Germany's economic struggles have already affected EU GDP growth, corrected due to Germany's underperformance, primarily attributed to energy costs and labor shortages. Meanwhile, China's high in-debt housing market raises concerns about a potential real estate crisis amid their economic slowdown. On the topic of international, I'll discuss our geopolitical risk section. Geopolitics is intertwined with the entire world. When geopolitical risk increases, international trade disruptions, trade balance, and currency fluctuations occur. Post-COVID, the global economy has been struggling. According to the Geopolitical Risk Index, geopolitical risk rose significantly at the start of the Russia-Ukraine war. Trade sanctions, ally polarization, and an impending world war caused news stations to increase their articles published. However, it is important to note that the Geopolitical Risk Index is from a U.S. perspective. I think the trade war risk is worth mentioning too. The U.S.-China trade war has lasted five years, beginning with U.S. tariffs on Chinese goods, particularly agriculture. In November 2022, the U.S. banned advanced microchip exports to China, pushing Chinese firms to develop their own chips. If this continues, China may match U.S. microchip quality, similar to the achievements with satellite and GPS technologies in 1993-1999 respectively. This adaption by China would harm U.S. chipmakers, potentially prompting further tariff increases on Chinese imports and exports. 
This could result in a higher inflation in supply chain disruptions for products reliant on Chinese components. Now that we've gone through our risks, we'll move into the policy implication portion of our podcast. We can use our risks to outline an appropriate monetary policy to achieve the dual mandate. We believe the Fed should utilize the Federal Reserve balance sheet and target the federal funds rate by using the IORB and the ONRRP. The policy should be implemented strategically by assessing the underlying causes of current economic conditions and averting recession. We have two policy options for the FOMC to consider. Karen, care to explain our first option? Sure. Option one is to keep interest rates steady within the 5.25 to 5.5 Fed funds range. This allows time for interest rate effects to take further hold, moderating consumer demand and providing the Fed with more data. In addition, we find the recent labor data conflicting and have evidence that inflation has significantly decreased over the past year despite strong consumer spending, indicating the impact of previous monetary policy actions. Additionally, trimming the Federal Reserve balance sheet is necessary to counteract factors like money supply that fuel robust consumer spending. By holding the current Fed funds range, the Fed can pursue a gradual path toward disinflation without further disruption of the labor market or triggering significant recession. Josh, care to explain option two? Of course, Kieran. Option two is to raise the Fed funds range 25 basis points to 5.5 to 5.75% in order to aggressively combat high inflation and the potentially persistent tight labor market. Evaluating the Fed funds range can reduce borrowing, cool the economy, and preserve financial stability by discouraging excess risk-taking. Despite some progress, inflation remains above the 2% target due to strong consumer spending. Further, the August JOLTS data shows U.S. job openings rose unexpectedly by 690,000 to 9.6 million. Skill mismatch appears to be an increasingly difficult problem for firms with job openings, as hiring and wage growth have been slowing despite high vacancies. This new data could put upward pressure on inflation. Another rate hike could help curtail inflation and facilitate maximum sustainable unemployment. Based on our analysis, we believe that the most prudent recommendation is to hold the Fed funds range steady within the current range of 5.25 to 5.5%. The Fed has made no worthy progress in steering inflation towards the 2% target range since the initiation of the tightening cycle in early 2022. Recent job data contradicts expected modest declines, but broader indicators suggest a loosening labor market. Slower wage growth and hiring, along with stable quit rates, indicate decreasing inflationary pressure from the labor market in the short term, even against the unexpected higher job openings reported in August. We recommend holding rates in the current range, recognizing the lag that is historically present in monetary policy implementation and believe that restrictive levels of interest rates for a sustained period will win the inflation battle and achieve soft landing. Well, that about wraps it up. Does anyone else have any last comments? No, I think I'm okay. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Stack Econ Bits. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and learned something new. Stay tuned for future episodes. Bye. It's showtime.